You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very snowy Oscar Academy Awards weekend. And this is the A Scully Cast after the show, episode 7, for Sunday, February the 24th. This week we're going to be taking a look at the movie, another Oscar-nominated movie, In the Valley of Ella. Am I saying that correctly? Are you asking me? Yes. Uh, it's Ella or Ella or Ella. Everybody, people say it different ways, I think. I haven't looked up the official correct way, so I, I say Ella. I think Ella sounds better, so In the it's Valley... It's got an H on the end, so I'm thinking Ella. In the Valley of Ella. It's a 2007 release... And it's available, well, it will be available on March the 11th, 2008 in North America on Blu-ray, HD-DVD combo disc, and DVD. Uh, it's from Warner Brothers, and here's Sid Talk with what it's all about, I guess. Cool. It is roughly <laughs> based on a true event, or series of true events, about a father who tried to find out why his son, who just came back from Iraq disappeared and then the army the police whoever were not being very helpful they just said he was AWOL and this father's pursuit of finding out what happened to his son is the basis of the movie okay so before we go into this story in detail let's give our little spoiler warning we've never done the spoiler warning no, before because so I hate spoilers should we do a little song spoiler warning spoiler warning spoiler warning yeah that tune's very original it it's actually based on the Batman theme tune from the... Is it Batman or Spider-Man? Spider-Man, oh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Correct. I knew it had superhero flavor. Are you testing me? Yes. We'll make up a spoiler thing later. I despise spoilers, but this is a Don't hard story. No. This is a hard story to discuss without saying the kind of an event that does take place. And yeah, so- I've already said it. Well, it's a father's pursuit of the death of his son. I don't think you said death of his son, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you've already spoiled it before the song Spoiler One kicked in. <laughs> well, it's a true story anyway. Okay. They'll live. Okay, so story in more detail. In more detail. Movie story. Okay, we're yeah, not talking well, about mo- the true life story. The true life story you can look up. It's about a soldier named Richard Davis who was, you know, killed and his father trying to figure out what actually happened to him. In the movie, we got Tommy Lee Jones, right? And he is, the army says, your son is AWOL. He says, no way. He goes to wherever the son was supposed to come back to, you know, the Fort Rudd, I think is what it was called in the movie. And then uh, just starts trying to piece, piece the puzzle pieces together, you know? Yeah, and when you come into this movie, like me, I didn't know anything about the true story. Mm-mm. So... It was kind of... I had no idea where it was going to go. Like, I, I, you know, it start, It starts the very beginning of the movie with him getting the phone call. The uh, Tommy Lee Jones is the father getting the phone call saying your son's missing. Um, he f- instantly phones his son and says, Oh, I hear you're back. Let's, uh, can you phone your old man up? Yeah, leaves a message. Then the phone call doesn't come back and then he pretty much instantly takes off on yeah, his little quest Yeah, I think he's pretty determined it. right away to He go. knows that it wouldn't be like his son not to get in touch with his parents immediately. Right. So this little quest to find him is kind of interesting. Yeah, because it's a two-day drive 
for this father to get in a truck and drive. He, was, he was a military policeman. He's been a police investigator in the past and was in the military himself. And you get the sense in the beginning that he's a very regimented, very um, straight and narrow kind of a guy. And you know? somebody who gets the job done. Yeah. And reserved to a degree and... Uh, just, you know, kind of that ideal of an ex-military man, you know? Very... I would say is when he gets onto something, his mind is straight down that track. Right. There's no deviating and he's, he's focused on the right on the prize. And you then you crisscross into the, you know, the crime scene the or the crime aspect of it. Why is this boy missing, young man missing? And then he goes to the police and there he meets... The Charlize Theron character, who's kind of, like, pushed aside. She's not really a, much in her police department. And it's her kind of taking on this quest. She has her own young son, so this man's missing his son. And it kind of gets to her. It was interesting. Not thinking of it now, it's got a lot of levels of story, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not just this straight story. They're all very, very tidily wrapped together. So when we say it's based loosely on true events... As a movie, it's very movie-ish. Uh, does that make sense? I mean, it's it's all tied together, and things are put in for dramatic effect, obviously. And everything crisscrosses just in the right dramatic and emotional ways. So that you know it's not play-by-play based on the real events. But it's made, you know, the point of the movie is bigger than, I think, they probably saw the details of the quote-unquote truth. Yeah, so it's kind of... There's a lot, what I'm saying, different levels. It's kind of like there's the coming home from war story, um, how it affects people. There's the... Post-traumatic stress disorder is the main, one of the main themes about young men coming back. Which we've seen movies coping. which deal with that before. Right, and the thing I liked about this story, the way it was told in the movie, it's not an anti-war movie, hmm. in, my, in my opinion. You I might watch it, it if you're in that mind... You might think that. I didn't think that. I thought it was more about, look, war is like a reality, but our government and our you know military doesn't do enough to take care of these people when they come home and get them leveled out before they send them back to their families. And, you know, they're like young men who've been through horrible, gruesome things, and now we're sending them back to work in the corner store and with their wife and with all the stress of life. And that, to me, was more what it was about. Yeah, so but so layered on top of the coming home from war story, there's also a detective story, yeah. kind of like, well, yeah, like a straight up crime story. Somebody trying to solve a crime. The Charlie's Theron character. Yeah. Also, Tommy Lee Jones, like a a parent trying to solve a crime story. Also that, and also some behind the scenes politicking in the police and the army and it's, it's a lot of things mixed together. Yeah, and it I mean it brings kind of Bob's little things up and down at you that give you a hint, you know, like this police sergeant's making a deal over there with the military cuz he doesn't want to deal with another unsigned unsolved murder or missing person on his beat. And then there's the military who just wants to sweep it under the rug. You know, it it's not in your face, but it's definitely a Definitely got. Hints Those are of, the walls that I think you would encounter, and that this person in real life did encounter, trying to find out what happened to his son. So, and I think it was done well. I mean, there was a little bit of push on the emotion side of things. I I cried a few times, I must say. <laughs> and also, this is another film 
like the last two weeks films where it was a slow burn type yeah. of film. It's not it's not a film where you're going to go into there, I think, and it's like balls to the wall all the way through. It's very slow moving. Very similar. In fact, all this year's films we've yeah, seen. Yeah, but it's not got that... Um, it's not got the the tone of No Country for Old Men, where it is a lot of silence, a lot of drawn, a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, very, like, you feel the tension in the air because of the way the movie's made. This movie does move in each scene, moves ahead, and that's to Tommy Lee Jones' credit. I think he's a, I'll talk about that later. But, I mean, he doesn't, it, does, it has the slowness, but not that reserved tense sort of brooding slowness it's slowness it kind of reflects the emotional journey this father is going through as well going from thinking his son is one thing and that the military is one thing and through this whole thing having to end up on the other side and i think i like the uh the tone and the look and yeah it was it was uh interesting slow moving story that really it, it just stayed on one level, really. I didn't think. Yeah, it, and the music was like transparent to me. It was just a, appropriate. I mean, it was it actually invisible. Lot, yeah, it was yeah. just invisible to my ears. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't. It wasn't driving you. It was actually the people, and the 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 reactions, and just the setup of every scene that made you one, push along. One thing I made a mental note of <clears throat> when I was watching it was how real the location seemed to me. Oh, totally. It was like y- y- your real motel, your real corner store, like a... Um, restaurants. The restaurants, restaurants I particularly... They all seemed Yeah, I real. actually thought to myself, oh, I wish I had a restaurant like that to go to still. It's very... Se- oh, not even 70s. Even the, t- small town. even the titty bars. The titty bars. Seemed very real. <laughs> yeah, very. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it didn't seem like a manufactured uh, strip club. It seemed like a real one that had been used a lot. Yeah, like they just walked into a strip club and yeah. did it, and you know, so from that, the extras, you know that that's what they did. So I think that added a lot to the, a lot to the movie, the way it looked and the way it felt, because I didn't feel like it was some hokey Hollywood thing. It just didn't yeah. feel like that. Even though, like you said, there was a little bit of. Yeah, I can't it put is, my finger on exactly what it is. For Writing, every, maybe. for every, you know. I don't know how to describe it. You can just feel stuff, you very mean. conveniently things put together. Not overly, no. not bold enough no. to make you be like, oh, right, whatever. But, I mean, it's just that everything crisscrosses just right. And I think I've said crisscross now like three times. But um, it fits together a little more tidy than probably a real, you know, not a lot of loose ends. No. You know, for every action, there's a reaction. You push something in motion, something's going to happen. That kind of thing. So. So that's the story, really. We very don't, I don't think we fully spoiled it there, did we? No. No, we didn't. That's good. So we'll we'll yeah. cut it off there because we didn't actually give away what what really happens. So the director will do the director before the cast. Oh, why? Did I put that in there? No. I just felt like doing it that way. So the director... No, let's talk about the cast, because that's oh, okay, part of the story. No. Let's start with Mr. Tommy Lee Jones. Okay, I thought it was fantastic. So did I. And it I wasn't, always It wasn't just one of those roles where he's just being Tommy Lee Jones and, you know, he's powerful on screen and stuff. He actually had moments of I what I thought were, like, really getting into the mindset of this father, you know? And I thought his... Just the way he is sometimes. He's just good. I like him. I've always liked him. He, um, he always, to me, 
I think if I had a granddad who was alive, I would like him to be like him. He's it's a real he seems a straight up kind of guy. Like he um, you know from I'm what, sure he'd be flattered that you'd be he'd be your your grandfather and not your father. Well, he's more like a grandfather <laughs> to me because he's he's because he's all wrinkly. That doesn't what, make him old. <laughs> I find him, I find him to be more of a grandfather than a father. <laughs> I think. The, with him, the thing is, like, the only character I've ever seen that was really far out-ish for him, of course, Men in Black, right? That's a total different kind of person for him. You know, a little more cheeky and whatever. Because No Country for Old Men, he was this hardened, you know, tough guy. A little bit different. But in this one, he's got a little bit of that. I just think that... No. He seems the older he gets, he takes it really seriously. Yeah, he does. He does, and... It- it's not just us who thinks he's good, because he's actually up for the best performance by an actor in a leading role for this part in this movie, so... Oh, I put that in for him. So, yeah, it is just me and you. <laughs> you I wrote him a note, you know, to the Academy. Oh. Nobody else thought he was good, just me and you. So, I wrote him a note, I put him up for best... Uh... <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, so, the next one is Charlize Theron. Yeah. Now... Really good. Yeah, really good. What was the other thing we saw her in where she was kind of a down-to-earth... The Northern... Yeah, that one. Uh, Northern. Something Northern. Yeah, the one about the sexual sexual harassment in the workplace, yeah. Right. Well, now in this one, she is also a... Not a glamorous character. No, she's not glamorous, but she's not down and out. She's none of that. I mean, she's just... uh, She's in a position where she's kind of fighting against the all-male police thing. It's like that. Not, Not... Again, it's the thing about this movie I really like, and it might be the writing, I don't know if it's the guy Haggis, 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 whatever his name is, the director, but nothing is so pushed down your throat, you know, like, oh, here's a woman fighting against the male bureaucracy, and here's the war that's killing everyone, and here, it's not like that. I think if you're looking for that, you might see it more, but I thought it was well done enough. Things were subtle, and then some things were said and done and over with in one scene, and then you didn't revisit it. It was just, you. they laid it out there for you. You just got the idea of that yeah. her working in this police department was hard work as a woman. Yeah. And all these dickhead guys who work there. Yeah, and she didn't take it on as, like, poor me or anything either. It wasn't, no, and there was just... no battle for her to become, you know, respected. It just was mentioned, and then they moved on, and I thought that was good. And she was really, she was great in it. Yeah, very good. I think she's she's one of those two. She's getting kind of seasoned or something. I mean, occasionally she has a reaction or a moment when I'm like, mm, that's very actressy, you know, like melodramatic even occasionally. But there's just glimpses of it in this. I think it was cut enough that it took care of that. I think it was a um, like Tommy Lee's Jones performance in this one was subdued and. You felt like he was really that guy. I think she felt like that detective. Mm. I think sometimes. But mm. I don't think just taking off all her makeup and flattening her head down is enough to... <laughs> you know, some people might see it that and way. And like, kind of... Dull clothes. Cheapish and... suits. Not, not, yeah. not, not an Armani suit. It's more of a... Well, the... she's a single mother. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it made her feel real. To, more real, you know. Yeah, but it, it could be just the flattening of the hair and the no makeup. And I'm not saying that's... That's what makes her seem believable. That she was real. So we've got who's next? Susan Sarandon. Even though she's not in it a great deal. Very. She's the one that made me cry. She was good too. Makes me cry right now. <laughs> she was. Oh man, very good. 
Because it's just brief and... So she's, let's explain, she's the mother. Yeah, she plays the, the mother. Yeah, and the wife of Tommy Lee Jones. And and I think in the brief times that we hear them, they're mostly on the phone together. One time when they're together, together. And again, I don't know if it's... I don't know the combination here, but it's got to be all three things. The performance, the writing, the directing, right? And with the free, few times we see them and hear them together, you know their whole life. You can understand their whole relationship. This guy has always been this way. He's always been focused and probably... And she understands have, I don't know that she understands him. I think there's been a lot of sacrifice there. Well... She has her sons and they both go in the military. But I think there's always been a distance. They never say I love you. They never end a conversation with anything other than goodbye, goodnight. They never give any affection to each other. It's just a very, not a cold relationship, but they're bonded by things, you know, just a lifetime of being together, I think. And you get the, all of that just from their brief conversations, because she's really good at her, the tone of her thing, and there's a lot of, <sighs> okay, you know, and uh, I just thought that was really good, because I know couples like that. I just got the, the um, that she, you know, at the beginning where he's like, basically... I, he gets the phone call and then he just decides he's going looking for him. And there's no, he doesn't ask her really, does he? Yeah. He just goes. But that's what I'm and saying. She just kind of. That's what I'm saying. They I think an, she's a, put an in her between each other. I don't know. I think she's just. See, that's what I thought. She's just taken on being put in her her places to just. He's going to do it regardless, and there's no discussion about anything ever. So, I thought. I mean, it had that much of an impact on me that I actually realized, you know. But she's not in it much at all. No. I would say Enough, five though. minutes in the whole movie, probably. I don't know. If you think you're going into it. Yeah, if you add it all it, together. Yeah, if you think you're going into it as a Susan yeah. Sarandon picture. It's not like Bull Durham or White Castles. Is that the name of that one she was in? White yeah. Castle. White Palaces. White Castle. Is that the one with James Spader? <laughs> and the hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. Where, they, where they're on that drug one, what goes to White Castle. Harold and Kumar and Susan Sarandon go to White Castle. I know that one. Oh, no, I think it's the other one. The White Palaces <laughs> where she has a thing with the younger guy. Right. He's rich and she's not, I but think. They, but they get some little burgers. A little burgers, yeah. No. <laughs> she's not the <laughs> big face of the movie, but she makes an impact. And I actually am glad she's... I think she did a fine job. And then... Oh, and pat then, her on her little actor's head. Then we've got like <laughs> a, somebody who keeps cropping up over these weeks. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Again. He's in there. And then the night I saw some really horrible movie. Mimic. Yeah, that was really bad. He was one of the redeeming things, but he played a real weird, you know, but he was in that too. And he's, I like him. Yeah. He looks like he stepped out of the 70s in every movie that he's in. <laughs> he looks the same in every Even movie. Even if the movie's not set in the 70s. With his little brush back forehead hair, you know, <laughs> kind of like, he has bangs, but instead of letting them hang down, he brushes them back in his little groovy 70s style. And he's got a certain arrogance about him, no matter what. Like, he actually thinks, you know, hey, I'm James Brolin's son, and he's married to Barbara Streisand, so I'm better than everybody. I think he is better than him. <laughs> I don't think, no, I'm better than everybody. I don't, I, don't, I don't know, I just get the sense that he's kind of one of those established Hollywood people who can just do what he wants, and so when he does a scene or whatever, I think he just takes command. I like I like the way he looks, obviously, but uh, he of, he often plays it. A dickhead. He has the coolest mustache. I'm if thinking play, of growing that If you play mustache. a dickhead really well in a movie, like if you consistently play jerks, 
you know, over and over. Does that mean you probably are a dickhead? And that, you know, or does yeah, that mean probably. you're like the super nice guy and this is like, you know, you're no, just... No, I imagine he's a dickhead. <laughs> I don't, no, I'm fine. not saying that. I'm just saying. But he does have a fantastic mustache, I think. Mm. It is. It's really cool. It's 70s, but it's also Wild West at the same time. It is a little, is a little uh, Hickok. <laughs> I'm thinking of... Uh, well, Bill Hickok, what I'm thinking of. Or Mar- Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> nobody. Yeah, just nobody. <laughs> nobody else knows who Marvin is. But. <laughs> Got a big bushy, big bushy thing on his lip. So you, that was the main list of the cast that you put down. But I'd like to mention, I, I can't really pull up the names, that, but some of the the boys who were involved, the army mm-hmm. guys. Um, were actual s- soldiers. Actual soldiers, but did a really good job. Very good job. So... And uh, James Franco. I think it's best. Small part. Yeah, small part. And it was, you know, just neutral, neutral, whatever. I think it's best to watch it not knowing which of those young men is in the military. Watch it first and then watch the extras and then you'll find out and you will be like, wow. They actually, not, I mean, why is that such a surprise? Men who go into the military or women who go into the military, they just do everything else like everybody else. You know, there are going to be people who are bakers and chefs and car mechanics and actors and whatever. So I don't know why it's such a shock, but it was kind of like, whoa, that guy's actually been to Iraq for a whole tour. And another guy was in there for two tours or something. Or I can't remember what he said, but he's, he was in the military for eight years. So, so yeah. and they're just kids. They're so young. Yeah, we, Hug. we did the, the other week. I was saying to you that we don't really know much about what's going on in Iraq. Mm. So, this probably isn't the best place to learn about it, but I, f- I found that we did learn something about it. But um, there's an English TV series going on at the moment, a documentary series um, with... Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp, Grant from EastEnders. Mm-hmm. Who actually went to Iraq for, I think it was six months, wasn't it? No, no. Six weeks? Six yeah, months? I think. Twelve weeks. Close. Six months, six weeks, 12 weeks. Okay, so he went for a period, but with the Royal Angular Regiments, a regiment that his dad was actually in. And he spent this time with the soldiers. And they'd be our basic infantry kind of men. They're Basically, actually, you know, on the ground with their guns, running into areas where they have to clear it out so that, you know, take over more. It's pretty intense. So watching this, we, we actually saw um, battle at close up. Cause it's like a documentary, if the if fly on the wall, making it clear. Yeah. So actually... like this guy, Russ Kemp's a famous actor in England. He follows the platoon as part of the platoon, but but not with a weapon. Right. No. Well. He yeah. Can't. <laughs> he has a weapon just in case. But they anyway, tell him in case everyone see, else is dead. You see fighting with the Taliban at close range. Yeah. Pretty much, and it's pretty intense. And what we saw in this movie, the footage that they'd filmed of soldiers in Iraq. Was very much like yeah. what we saw on that. Looks so I think they got a realistic depiction of it. And it's... As realistic as you can I get. Feel I mean, like let's, not, learned... let's not pretend like we know anything no. whatsoever. Well, we know based what we... on. But we're only watching TV and movies. We do not know, no. right? You only we get... Don't we don't know. Is. So, you know, every single person can't go do it. What I'm, um, what I'm getting at here is if you have the means to watch... Ross Kemp in Afghanistan is the name of the program. It's a Sky program in, from England. But you don't really have to be from England if you've got the internet and a pair of eyes. Wink, wink. But uh, yeah, it's worth watching. I'm not talking about stealing it. Just watch it and uh, learn. Or so, go to Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. 
They have cheap flights out there, I believe, right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Okay, so let's move on to the director, Paul Haggis. Yeah, oh. and you know what about Paul Haggis? It's really funny. You keep talking. What, yeah. did, you, what did you think? I thought, yes, Paul Haggis, I like him. Crash was pretty good. Right, but you know what? Paul Haggis has also done things on th- on shows like One Day at a Time, The Love Boat. Way back in the day. Yeah, the love boat is good. That's yeah. Good. Well, you directed the. Um, keep talking. You did. Well, Don't leave any dead air. Well, uh, I would like to uh, talk about the name Haggis, Riders. which comes from Scotland. Riding. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being <a> cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying he's been writing a long time and he's written all kinds of things that you would be like, what? So, I think he's led himself up to a good career of good background. Yeah, and obviously, um, well, as I found out researching this a little bit, he has been involved in the Oscars three years on a row. He won for the, he wrote the movie a couple of years ago. Which one is it? The one near the top. Go right to the top. Don't know. Casino Royale? No. Letters from Iwo Jima? Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby. He did the screenplay for that and won the Oscar for it. Crash? Crash, he won the Oscar for it. And Walker, Texas Ranger? Yep, he won the Oscar for that. <laughs> and he wrote Casino Royale? Yeah, he did. The uh, new James Bond movie, Casino Royale. He wrote that one, which is cool. Um, and this movie is only nominated for one Oscar, by the way. Just one, this year. And it is Best Performance by an actor in the leading role, Tommy Lee Jones. So, Fabulous. So Haggis is, uh, broke his streak because he's not up this year. This He'll time. live. So, DVD extras. Now, we looked at the Blu-ray disc, the Blu-ray edition of this uh, movie. Correct. Now, we looked at the the Blu-ray disc of this movie, whatever you said, on our new movie screen. Which we're going to um, talk about at the end of the uh, oh, okay. program. But anyway, the, we watched the Blu-ray disc, and a disturbing trend for Blu-ray discs on HD DVDs is... Yes, we get the movie in high definition and it looks brilliant, but all the extras are in 480p. What what the hell? Why is that? Was it documentary part? The documentary was in 480p and so it was right. the scene. It fit the screen and everything. It did, but it, it was widescreen. Yeah, but who cares? It was like a documentary. Well, I'm saying it's a Blu-ray disc. We're paying extra for the high definition content. You're paying extra. No, I'm saying this is why... <laughs> this is... Yeah, so this movie was made in 2007... You're not telling me, like, we've seen movies where they use high-definition cameras to film the extras. Yeah, but I mean, seriously? Who cares? I do. Oh. And people who buy Blu-ray discs probably do. Maybe you don't, but most probably I don't, don't at all. I but think I'm the, saying this the is, movie is what counts, if you're giving the extras me a, don't count. Yeah, the extras count. If you're giving me... Talking louder than me doesn't make you right. If you're giving me this movie for $30 instead of 20 right? Yeah. Yes, I get a better picture and better audio. But I also want all the extras in high definition. That's a note to the studios. <laughs> Otherwise... Let me just call them up right now. Yeah. You know, I'm paying extra for not a lot. But anyway, uh, there's three extras on this. It's not actually laden with extras either, is it? No, but they're good. Very I mean, good. they're good in terms of giving you background on the movie. So we've got a documentary which is split into two parts. There's In the in the Valley of... Ella. 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 Whatever. After Iraq, which is the first part of the documentary, which probably lasts about 30 minutes. And it 
covers all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I would say smush them together because it's all kind of the yeah, same. Yeah, I'd thing. say an hour. It's probably an hour in total. There's the first part after Iraq. The second part is called Coming Home. Yeah, and they're all it's all the same stuff. It's um, yeah. footage of but it's the got- people extras getting trained a little bit and showing you who was a real soldier in real life and who wasn't, and giving you interviews with what seems to me maybe someone who's giving them giving Haggis guy a little bit of background on what it's like to come back with post-traumatic stress disorder and stuff. And they're all the... I mean, it's all that. You get interviews with the actors and... A lot of uh, on-the-set footage of people getting ready for the scenes. and Yeah. Showing you how they really used the real motel rooms and stuff, but they adapted them, made them bigger. Yeah, yeah. By ripping a wall out. Yeah. Instead of building a set somewhere, they just used a real motel. And one of the most interesting parts of it for me was um, there's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones has to phone his wife up to talk in a hotel room and they were showing this being filmed and he was actually really on the phone to Susan Sarandon right and Susan Sarandon was really doing her scene on the other end on the other end of the phone but no No one else no one else could hear it right just Tommy Lee Jones well they could hear it the director could hear what they were saying but no one was talking to Susan except for Tommy Lee Jones that's what I mean so Tommy Lee Jones was saying there's a lot of responsibility you're putting on right so it was pretty interesting how it was done and they really snapped into character like he was... They're pros, man. Is everything all right? Is They're everything... like 150 years old. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I really like the process of watching an actor do his thing. Like, so Tommy Lee Jones was sat on the bed, this camera's all about, there's people running around, there's people messing about with things, and then he's like, okay, and then he just snaps straight into it. And it's a real emotional scene, that. Like Eddie Murphy in uh, Beverly Hills Cop, you know, dun-dun-dun-dun, snap, and then he turns into, you know, herpes simplex number two or whatever. I <laughs> think... <laughs> You lost, lost me. <laughs> Somebody out there is going to know exactly what he, I'm talking does about. Does he turn into a gay? Uh, I don't say he turns into a gay. <laughs> I'm saying he puts on a bit of an effeminate thing instantly so that he can get mean. his way into the In, restaurant. Yeah, da, da, yeah, da, da. yeah. yeah. So Eddie, you're saying Eddie Murphy's good at playing, uh, snapping into a gay. <laughs> that sounds rude. <laughs> <laughs> because that is not what I said. Mr. Murphy, we don't mean that. It was a joke. Well, it was a joke. Okay, so the other special... Fe- well, Mr. Murphy, my what ass. Did, what did you think of those um, two... Uh, oh, that was good, because you do get a lot. You get the interview with the real father and the real mother. Yeah, yeah that Pictures was of the thing. real guy. You see that the actors who played some of the dudes portrayed in the, you know, the real dudes. You see their reaction to what... Okay, the real guys in real life. There's a documentary about the whole situation. The actors who are playing those guys watch the documentary and then you see their reaction and kind of you know when you're playing a real person and then you have a documentary and you see actual footage and you find out what this person really did it probably kind of messes with your mind because you know and we also it was really good we also learned that tommy lee jones who's playing the father doesn't particularly like the father in real life no he didn't say that he said he said exactly that haggis the director had more sympathy for the guy and saw him in a better light in the beginning of the script than tommy lee jones did that his interpretation was looking at him in a kinder way than tommy lee jones did when he first read it i know that you have your own interpretation but that's exactly what he said well that's what that means if you want to question me just watch it again that's what that means (laughs) it's not tommy lee jones he didn't say he didn't like the father he said he didn't agree with haggis's interpretation Having uh, looking at him in a better light than Tommy Lee Jones. So Tommy Lee did. Jones did like him. I didn't say that. No, I'm saying what? What? He didn't see. He didn't see the father character that was written in the script in the same light that the director wanted to. 
portray him as. Well, and when I was reading some information on the father, the father wasn't particularly keen on the movie. Mm. How it depicted his son. Um, which... And if you read some news stories... Can't really comment on, because I don't really know what happened. Yeah, but if you read some of the news stories and some of the, uh, you know, artifacts about the whole thing, I think they might have portrayed him a little bit better than he was. Really? Yeah. Why did they really portray him as an ass in the other ones? No, they didn't portray him as anything. The real, real no, facts. I mean in, the, in the real facts. It, 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 no, not a real ass. Just not. You know, in the movie, you get this uh, young man who's really devoted to you know serving his country, and he's a real straight laced kind of guy. And then, of course, you get little holes poked in that through people talking about what things that he really did and whatever. But you never feel like he's, you know, like a loser or a jerk or anything like that. You know, you just never do. You have sympathy for him because you should. You know, he's in a been put in a bad position but uh i understand how you know it'd be hard to have a movie made about your tragedies in your oh, life for sure because that's like the, your life actually amounts to that whole incident now um exactly well, well i mean you know um, that's the always going to be on your is, mind yeah. Always, yeah so the other extra is the additional scene now the additional scene covers mm. Tommy Lee Jones looking for somebody called Jennifer Lopez. Just a girl in Not Jennifer the real Lopez. Jennifer Lopez, but he does, <laughs> when he's trying to phone, he, um, using his method in the phone, he's looking in the phone book for all the different Jennifer Lopez's, and he's told by some, somebody or an operator that he should look in Hollywood. Right? Yeah. But um, anyway, this Jennifer Lopez was? She was uh, a young lady that the son had dated before they went to Iraq. She also went to Iraq as a reservist. I mean, she was a reservist, but went there. And when we meet her, she has lost an arm and a leg, and she's still she's in the hospital. I mean, it's obvious that it's been a while. But then Tommy Jones goes to find out more about their relationship, and she explains a few things about the son, and apologizes. You know, it's not putting him in a great light. And I think, like you said, it's a little more in your face about how bad a war is and things like that. Yeah, I thought it was a bit heavy-handed the whole scene. I mean, it wasn't just one scene either, was it? It was several scenes, but it was a. Yeah. Piece of the story cut out. Um, Gives you... It tries to lay the pedal down just a little bit more about how shitty war really is. And how, you know, kind of the political view of how it's just like a meat grinder for young people. And then there was like the long lingering shot of the different amputees on the way out. Yeah, as he walked out. Yeah. He, that's know. what that's where I was thinking, oh, this feels a bit... And the the girl, Jennifer Lopez, who she was, was the really amputee. She was really good. She was really good. And she was also wearing a green sock and a green, a oh, green yeah. sock and a green and arm. <laughs> it was good. It was done well. I mean, they give you this extra scene, but what they do is they cut you between the what the final scene would have looked like in the movie and the shooting. So you see the green. So screen you see stuff. her with the green glove on and yeah. the green uh, thing in her leg and the hole in the bed where her leg goes down in. So it's cool to see how that is actually done because if you'd only seen it after, you might not realize she actually had limbs. No. Because it looked really good. But to me, it was an interesting extra scene, but I think it could have done with commentary by Haggis. I think they could have, they should have put a commentary on the disc, really, for the whole movie, too. But it's obviously missing. Because while I like the Jennifer Lopez scene, mm-hmm. I'd like to know something about it, why it was re- took out or... I'd say I'm the opposite, because I can pretty much figure it out myself. See, I think I can, but maybe I can't. Maybe it was Oh, but I'm always right. So if you just ask me, I will tell you, and then you're sorted. <laughs> you don't know how wrong you are. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, no. So, what did we think? Conclusion overall. I liked it. Didn't like last week's movie. 
I loved it. American Gangster. So this one, I can say I liked it. I liked and? it. I just liked it. I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was neutral. I liked it. I would recommend it. It was a well-made movie telling a story that, you know, you can kind of get lost in the political view of it, or you can get lost in the human tragedy of it, or you can just simply look at it as a father's quest to find out what happened to his son. Yeah, and it's, got, it that. it's definitely multi-layered. And it's well-made, and it's gritty a little. It's not gritty and, like, gritty. Uh, it's gritty, <laughs> like... Like you said, the sets are real and... It feels like you're really going on the journey with the father, for sure. And uh, it's interesting all the way through. It is. And it then it spurs me... Didn't like, feel it long. makes me want to go look up the real story and find out what happened. And then, you know, I have no solid view on what war is or isn't or how it impacts. I mean, obviously, it's not a good thing. It's a big subject to talk about. But it plants another seed in your mind, you know. About the care of soldiers when they come back from war. And they've seen things that, fine, we can accept that soldiers are going to do and see things that are horrible and wretched. And they have to live with that their whole life. But do we really think about what it's like to just come back home and put on a suit and go to work again? You know? And that's one of the things that raised in my mind. So when I, when my friend Ray, um, was, I was messaging him on the internet tonight and he said, what movie are you watching tonight? And I said, in the Valley of Ella. Ella? I can never say it. Just say it one way or the other. Ella, let's say Ella. Okay, he said, oh, that sounds light and happy. <laughs> so I would agree with him there with his sarcasm that it, it isn't light and happy. It's not, you're not going to have an enjoyable, not one minute. happy moment. No, not at all. <laughs> but that's actually good sometimes. Makes you think, it definitely makes you think. And the whole scene with the flag upside down really was poignant, I thought. Yeah, very. Both scenes with the flag upside down. We won't, I won't say what it is, but you'll. When you see the movie, it really makes everything... You'd have to be from a country that it makes a difference if you hang your flag upside down, because, you know, some people like well, aren't. <laughs> if you know, if you understand the meaning of that... And yeah, but uh, what I'm what... saying is, Union Jack is kind of hard to flip over. Correct. I if mean, you, you can. If you understand the meaning of it, and you understand where Tommy Lee Jones is at the end of the movie in his mind, it's perfect. It's a really good scene. I liked it. Yeah, like I said, you could take it that this father, this person went from one way of thinking about our country and the military and justice and right and wrong completely Flipping to the other completely. end. Like the flag. Exactly. Oh man. You just pulled it all together there, boy. Yep, let's end it on that <laughs> one. So um now we're gonna move on oh, to Oh we're gonna go have steak. Oh no we're not. We have more to discuss. Oh we've got plenty to discuss. Uh first <laughs> I wanna do uh Oscar predictions. So tomorrow night it's the Academy Awards. What number is it? Number 80? I have no idea. It could be 80, it could be 23. <laughs> so We know it's not 23. <laughs> so Let's just make up our own number. It's Oscars number 100. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to like have a quick look at the uh, nominees. The and nominees are... It's the 80th Academy Awards, I was correct. So... Uh, Hey, the 80th Academy Awards, and it's 2008. That's interesting. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> the first one is the best motion picture of the year. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to make some predictions. And then next week, we'll see who was right. Who was the rightest? Mm. Do you like that English there? It was great. A bit of grammar. <laughs> okay, so best motion picture of the year. I'm gonna. I'm also gonna preface that we have not seen all of these movies. Correct. 
So the first one, Atonement. Not seen it. Not seen it. Second one, Juno. Not seen it. Not seen it. We will be seeing it tomorrow. We will have seen it tomorrow. And then if we don't make a a judgment on it today, we might be very wrong. Yes. The next one, Michael Clayton. Haven't seen it. We suck. Do you know what? Out of these five best movies, we've seen one. (laughs) Interestingly enough. Okay, so No Country for Old Men. Excellent. We've seen it. And There Will Be Blood. Now, just let me point out that Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite director of all time. Biased. Uh, I absolutely love him. He can make anything, make a commercial, and I will be buying it on DVD. So, there could be some bias. Could you lick his ass anymore? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, your prediction is Paul Thomas Anderson. No. No, it actually isn't, interestingly enough. My prediction for the winner of this one is No Country for Old Men. And I don't have a 100% base, I just have a feeling in my scrotum. Nice. Do you think that's how the Academy figures out? What about the female members of the Academy? They feel it. They have a little nipple tingle, maybe? They feel it in their vulva. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. What did we get a selection from you? I have only seen one of them. Yeah, well... I don't feel fair saying what I think, so I'll base it on the movie I've seen, and I actually think it's fantastic, and if all things were right in the world, I would have seen them all, right? I still think I would... I don't know. I can't base it on that. I say no country for old men. Okay, and and I say no country for old men, but please let it be there will be blood. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, next is best performance by an actor in a leading role. Okay, I'm just going to cover the main ones here. The That'd be ones. fine. So, first up, we've got George Clooney for Michael Clayton. Second, Daniel Day-Lewis for There Will Be Blood. Third, Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd. Fourth, Tommy Lee Jones for In the Valley of Ella. Ella? Ella? <laughs> and fifth... Pick away and say it that way. Fifth, Vigo Mortensen for Eastern Promises. That one. Fantastic, that movie. Yes. I must say. But for me... I think because I just found it... It was just amazing. He was amazing and... and He was. I would totally give it to him. But my prediction is Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. For There Will Be Blood. He's won one before, though. Come on. Yeah, he deserves another one. Especially for the moustache I see him sporting in this (laughs) picture. Okay, so number three, best performance by an actress in a leading role. We've got Kate Blanchett for the Elizabeth the Golden Age. Not even heard of that one. Okay. Julie Christie for Away From Her. Marion Cotillard for some French title that I don't want to pronounce. Oh, good lord. Laura Linney for The Savages. And Ellen Page for Juno. Now, I haven't seen any of those. I know! Why are we doing this one? So, I am going to go for Juno. Hmm. I say Kate Blanchett just for no reason whatsoever. Okay. So you could be right, you could be wrong. So we're just laying money on these now. We're we'll just saying, out. I'm going to bet against you, and I'm going to say, I'm putting $5 down on that Kate we'll, Blanchett girl. We'll find out next week. Okay, so we'll do the director. Best achievement in directing. Mr. Paul Thomas Anderson for There Will Be Blood. He's just the best director ever anyway. <laughs> I was just going to say, do you not have anything good to say? He's the do. best director ever in the world in the history of stuff, so... This should just be him. This should just cross all the other ones off. Like, have no competition. Exactly. Uh, and carry him in, like, on a, what's it called, you know, with the four guys and the poles and the yep. thing. With a crown. <laughs> yeah. And a scepter. And a little scepter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
okay. and feel an apple on a little chain walking next to you. <laughs> now that. I don't think that's going to happen That anymore. I would pay to see. I think see. he's done with it. I know. I'm just saying that'd be funny. Okay, so we've got Ethan Cohen and Joel Cohen for No Country for Old Men. We've got Tony Gilroy for Michael Clayton. We've got Jason Reitman for Juno. And we've got Julianne Schnabel for... You want to pronounce that one? What is it? Where is it? Papillon? I don't know. Chapandar at the Papillon. <laughs> the Chapandar at the Papillon. <laughs> I don't think that's right, but that one. The one about Papillon. Okay. Or the Pamplion or whatever it says. Okay, so for me on this one, I'm going for Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm, I'm going for uh, Cohen's because okay. I actually think. I believe it's going to be the Cohen's, but I'm going for Paul because I've got to so show my support. So your money's on Paul. My money's on the Cohen's. Okay. I'm putting seven on that one. So I've got seven on the on the director and I got five on the actress. We agreed on the other one. I think that is pretty that is pretty much the main um the main categories. Yeah. I don't really want to go into best visual effects and all that kind of stuff. You sound like you're not interested, but when we're watching it you're very interested in every single category. I am, but what I'm saying is we won't know who any of these people are, so we won't make not any in, predictions. Not so I'm not just, gonna make predictions on things that are we will see how those predictions come next week because we're gonna be watching it tomorrow night. Um Second piece in our little news. Is this? Do we have a news section? I guess it's a miscellaneous section. Whatever we don't, whatever's not to do with this particular movie, we're going to speak about at the end. The second one is the death of HD DVD this week. Mm. It finally looks like Blu-ray one. You're not telling me, because I am telling you. It happened this week. (laughs) What I'm saying is, if you're going to tell someone a bit of news, make sure that they have any level of. Uh, okay, anyway, let, let, me, let me explain what happened this week. So, Toshiba, there's two next-generation DVD formats. There's Blu-ray from Sony, and there's HD DVD from Toshiba. Now, HD DVD's been around for two years or so, and Blu-ray's been around just a little bit less than that. They've been competing in this weird war. They're both pretty much the same thing. Um, but you need sep- different players to play each one of them to watch your movies in high definition. Now, HD DVD this week, Toshiba decided to completely pull the plug on it. And when they pulled the plug on it, so did all the movie studios who were supporting it straight away. So did all the stores, Walmart, Best Buy, everybody pulled the plug on it. And then today, later, which is Saturday, well, we're in Sunday now, but Saturday, uh, Microsoft sent official press release out that they're also pulling the plug on the 360 HD DVD. So we can pretty much say it's gone. I own quite a few HD DVDs. You own an HD DVD player? I do. And my HD DVD player will always play those ones that I own, right? Till it breaks. But I guess my HD DVD player now is going to be a nice DVD player. Because it plays yeah. normal DVDs. So it's not like you lost out really. Right? And as a consumer, my opinion... I didn't... They're both the same. I, I, I have them both. I've seen them both. They're both the same. It doesn't matter which... Quality-wise? No, they're both the same. I'm glad there's just one now. It didn't really matter to me which one. But yeah, but you were sucked into the whole thing, and you always want to read who's doing this, and who's selling more, and blah, blah, blah. You know, here's my opinion. I don't care. I only want to know that I can buy a movie at a store and take it home and watch it. So I don't have to go to the theater and deal with all the dickheads. That's all I care about. I don't care if it's on VHS. I don't care if it's on DVD. I don't care if it's on my Zoom or my cell phone. As long as I can watch a movie at home. So now, 
you can you're basically going to be going to pay in Sony for every movie you buy on high definition format. And Toshiba have compl- while if you did buy a HD DVD player, Toshiba is still honoring warranties. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they completely pulled the plug and said, yet. get stuffed. You can only predict in the future. Well, if the warranty was a year on the player, you're going to get that year. So that's okay. Um, and like I say, you can use your HD DVD player as either a DVD player, a doorstop, <laughs> or you could use it as a weapon if somebody breaks into your house. <laughs> but if you've got that little Xbox... I would say you could disassemble it and make art out of it. Well, if you've got that little Xbox 360 add-on that's about the size of a book, Mm. you could maybe not use that one as a weapon. No, not unless it was a very small person. (laughs) You mean a midget? No! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Is there any other sticker besides explicit that we can put on, like, embarrassing? Inappropriate. Inappropriate! But funny. Oh lord. Okay, so... (laughs) That's it. Now I've got an image of Matt Roloff in my head. HDVD is gone. <laughs> HDVD is gone. I wanted to pay a little tribute to it. Two years it lasted, wah, now it's gone. Wah, wah. Yep, shit. It's uh, <laughs> not good for you, Toshiba. But hey, you still own DVD. And for DVD those of you part. like me who don't care, you just wasted the last two minutes of your life, really, for nothing. So, <laughs> what else? Do- oh, home theater screen. Home theater screen's fantastic, Pro- and the no, thing is going to be up. Home theater screen. People might have not even heard the last podcast. Oh, right. So, do I do recap? I don't like recaps. Donald really... Trump is the king of the recaps on the Stupid Apprentice. I don't like it. Maybe we can get Donald we Trump to do our, our own each week. movie home movie theater screen thing. That's 101 inches in diagonal, it's eight feet across. I built it with a little supervision, some contribution. <laughs> but let's be honest. And I'm writing a guide about it, like every little step of the way that we did. And there's some pictures and stuff, and it will be up. In the next couple of days. And how it's is fantastic. it? It's fantastic! And did we inspire somebody else to make one? We did. It looks like we did. Our friend Raymond. Yes. Actually has made one also this week. He stapled it by friggin' hand, man. Like He is hardcore. Yeah. I did the electric stapler because I was not. I was already feeling like poop and I was not going to be. And it, we're talking a lot of staples. But anyway, we mm. can say for under... $80, yeah. you can have a 100-inch screen that looks just like a professional Oh, it's one. fantastic. Uh, you, well, you will see. If you do it well, yeah. You will see it on the uh, guide, which... It is basically our first huge step in creating our actual home theater. You know, we had other stuff. We had a big TV. We had the good DVD players. We had the good chairs. We have the nice basement, everything. But now this is inspiring us to move on with the blacked out walls and black ceiling and all that. So we'll, it'll all come together eventually. And but that, and, watching uh, it on the big screen, it truly does take you to a whole different level. I mean, I'm saying I don't mind if I'm watching movies or whatever that aren't perfect and beautiful, but this makes it... You've got and the, I can't wait to watch you play a video game on it, and we looked at websites on it today. It was fantastic. The theater experience, for sure, is exactly like the theater experience in your house. Yeah, because we're only about if, six feet away from better. it. You know, we're right there, where you have to actually look around a little to see stuff going on. We've got the surround sound. It's comfortable. There's no assholes with cell phones No in front assholes. Of you. We can pause if we both have to go take a pee um, break. And, yeah, which is, that is, that it's is brilliant. It's brilliant, yes. I hate in the middle of the cin- when we go to the cinema and we sit in and you know it's a long movie or even a short movie but I need a pee 20 yeah. minutes 
20 minutes before the end and there's no I'm watching the movie and I'm like okay there'll be a slow part in a minute where I can just go no, and yeah, there never yeah. is and, and this you can just say I gotta take a pee you pause <laughs> we both up. go pee not together we go pee and then we go back get a drink whatever and you probably love it because there's no big smell of buttery stinky popcorn that you don't like I do and there's no sticky floor no sticky floor no, we got our blankets no assholes <laughs> Assholes. As long me. as you don't think I'm an asshole, then no, there are no assholes. You're right. You keep your mouth shut during the movie, and that's that's the main. <laughs> oh, thing. Oh yes. Oh my God. Yes. No. There's no like teenage punk at the door looking at you, rolling their eyes at you when you tell them what you want to. Go and we've see. also gone as far as we have the when you go to the theater and you see like slides before the theater with movie trivia, etc. We've actually got a whole bunch of them on the way, so mm-hmm. we're gonna have a real. Um, we'll talk about that next time or whenever. Yeah, and. Uh, tell you how you can get some of those for yourself. So, that's the theatre screen. We have the contest that's still running. This contest is going to be running for the next two podcasts after this one. And it's for a copy of Hitman Unrated Edition from 20th Century Fox. And the question is, Sid Talk? What was Hitman's serial number in the game and in the movie? And you just need to send an email to ascully at ascully.com. That's A-S-C-U-L-L-Y at ascully.com. With the subject line, Hitman Podcast Contest. Contest. All three of those words we decided last week. Yeah, you got to have podcast in there so we know you're special. And I need the answer to your uh, to the question and your email address so I can email you back. What um, was the number, the serial number, of the Hitman in the game and the movie? For a million dollars, was it? Oh, no, not a million dollars. For a, a copy DVD. of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a $25,000 question. And you will get a $25 DVD. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've actually... Uh, That's it. Well, that isn't it. We've actually been added to the Zoom Marketplace Correct. officially this week, which really boosted our listenership. It was crazy. Like the day... Because the Zoom rocks! Correct. And um, now we're on iTunes for officially two. We're on both of those. Which is cool. Which is cool, because we're right there. You just do a search, and we're in the movie section on both of them. So. I don't think you should tell me, you know, how many people listen to it, because I might get stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just... won't be able to sit here naked anymore. You Let's know, say... I feel a little self-conscious. Yeah, I like to also <laughs> hang free during the podcast. That gives them a very... Because if they look <laughs> at any pictures of us or know us, they'll be like, no, I can't listen to you. I know you're naked. I also um, must add that being the num the number of people that listen is more than two and less than seven hundred a million. <laughs> we don't. I don't actually give a crap to be okay, honest. Okay, so yes. I want as many people to listen to it who find it and listen to it and like it. That makes me very happy. I listen to these other podcasts, and we're not going to name them. Who talk constantly about how many people listen to them and how many downloads they get. I actually think that's kind of uh, shallow and egotistical. I think if you're listening to this right now, thank you very, very much. If you think it sucks and you don't listen again, uh, you know what? Try again. Just do it again next week because you never know. We might grow on you. You never know. Yep. And if you hate us, just turn it off and throw it in, throw it in your recycle bin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the podcast for this week. Um, we also have websites that we can plug ascully.com A-S-C-U-L-L-Y.com that's the official home of the Ascully cast and we also have sidtalk.com that's a C and an I and a D T-A-L-K dot and what do you have on this wonderful give me C give me an I 
<laughs> what do you have on this wonderful website? Uh, there's some stuff about me and uh, some pictures that I've drawn, pictures of my family, lots of things that I've written. <laughs> it's not like yours. It's not like about the world or anything. It's about me and my view of the world and articles about hysterectomy and articles about life and lots of drawings and lots of photographs. I'm sure there'll be a lot of listeners who will be interested in that. No, there will. And me. If you have hormone replacement therapy, I highly recommend reading my articles. It's very enlightening and you won't feel alone anymore. So that's it for this week. Uh, I just want to say stay classy, the Valley of Ella. Nice. And I'm going to say think for yourself because somebody else will do it for you.